0: takes courage to to make this change and really embrace a new role that's going to align for you and your needs and oftentimes there are headwinds around you that are even going to make that difficult you know society's put you in this bucket oftentimes the profession that we had is very much how we identify as an individual but there's so much more to us and when we can find the profession that aligns all around not only with our strengths but you know our purpose what we're meant to do but also, what's going to allow us to fully live our potential? Sometimes it doesn't look like that box that people want to put us in. But once we have the courage to step into that space, if you're a believer first, everyone around you then becomes a believer. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf.
1: Hello, Googleization Nation, and welcome back to another episode of Geek Skeezers and Googleization. You're with uh, me, Ira Wolf, and my co host, Jason Cochran.
2: Good to see you again, my friend. How are you doing? Great. Two months away from Christmas, hard to believe. Yeah your Christmas lights on again. So. Yes. For those who are just listening, got the, the Christmas necklace on with the light. So hopefully that brings some, some cheer to your day if you're seeing that.
1: Absolutely. And we continue to have a lot going on in, in our world about the future of work. A big, I guess, well, I can't even say this is big news. There's there's lots of news. Today, uh, they, they announced the new Jolts Report and another 4.2 million people left their jobs. That's 16, more than 16 million people in the last four months. Uh, wow. So We have a a very appropriate topic today. we got Amy Sanchez. We're talking about career transitions, how to do it right. So there's obviously a lot of people thinking about it. And I, I just wonder, I was thinking this morning, I'm wondering how many people are on the sidelines because job change is pretty stressful. You know, you've heard me quote this many, many times before. Anybody who's heard me do a presentation on candidate experience, what companies need to recognize is that, the stress, the stress incurred with changing a job. Now, that could be internally somebody, you know, whether it's a promotion, it could be just hybrid going to hybrid work, any type of job change. But especially changing, literally changing a job, going to a new location, getting a new boss, new routines, new friends, new colleagues, new coworkers, new processes is as stressful as the death of a friend. So for anybody who's ever experienced the loss of a close you know, friend or even a relative, the stress that's involved with that is, is, is extensive. I mean, it's significant. And the fact that changing a job is there. So a lot of lessons, I mean, so we applaud the people who have taken, had the courage to say I've had enough. I'm going to look for something different. So hopefully today we're going to learn from Amy, some of the right ways to do that. And hopefully you won't have to do that in the near future again, But for any employers that are listening, this isn't just about for the candidates, it's what do you need to do, what do employers need to do to kind of sharpen their game because they're desperate. Because the other part in another article I read is that job openings are almost double what they were just a few years ago. So there's more job openings partly created because people are quitting their jobs. There there is job creation. And there are fewer people working than there were before. And we still can't fill all those jobs. So there, right. there's, there's more people not working than there were before. And so there's a reason there's something going on. But we're going to today focus on what individuals need to, to do that. The other thing I want to mention, and because we talk about adaptability all the time, and this is, again, one more thing we need to adapt to. I had my, well, next to the last class, actually the last lecture type of a class, with my master's of organizational change. And it's sh- It's just surprising that, you know, I think one of the students is in their 40s, you know, one's in their 30s, the others are different. Some are recent grads, some are in the workforce, but all of them are really, sh- lack of a better word, shocked, surprised how fast the world is changing. You know, here, here we got a group of people all, rel- all much well one one's probably close to your age but everybody else is younger so four of them are pretty recent grads i mean either one year out of school or three or four years out of school and you know here i am as an older baby boomer you your older millennial gen x somewhere somewhere in that category and you know we 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 think mm-hmm. that gen z and young and, and the youngest millennials are these digital natives it's just natural they just understand how fast the world is changing. They're part of the reason the world is changing. And yet we were talking yesterday about some transportation and some things. And one thing that universally every, every student said they had no idea was about something called Uber Air. And it's gonna be the Jetsons, I mean, and they're, <laughs> they're starting to launch these in 2023. And instead of helicopters landing on the ports, there's gonna be these little many airplanes, autonomous airplanes that are going to transport people from one location to another. And they exist. It's not, it's not that far out anymore. And so that, you know, things like that just seem to shock people. And we assume that, that everybody, you know, everybody who's young is, this change is just natural to them and it's not. So a lot of the people undergoing career change, you know, looking for something different, they may be part of that wave, but the other statistic I heard, and hopefully Amy can confirm this, is baby boomers are actually changing jobs at twice the rate of millennials and Gen Z. Wow. Which which has happened before, by the way. I mean, I know baby boomers and Gen X always like to blame the gen- millennials and Gen Z for job hopping, but it's always been a pretty high rate at, at even the baby boomer
2: level. Yeah. And, you know, it's fascinating, too, leading into what Amy's going to share with us. It's not just the frontline workers, like you said, they're the ones changing. Executives. Executives are experiencing burnout like ne- never before, and they're looking for a transition as well. And that's what Amy specializes in. So I have no doubt that today's going to be a gift for many of our listeners who are executives who might be pondering those same questions in their own head.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Sometimes it's not burnout. Sometimes it's opportunity. You know, there's True. a lot
1: of new opportunities out there and, and just it gets stale I and mean, they may not be burnt out, but it just gets stale or they see another opportunity continue to grow. They've done their job someplace. So I think this is probably a great time to bring on Amy as we've we've put her put her on the pedestal here uh, <laughs> to solve all problems related to career transition. So Amy Sanchez, welcome to Geek Skeezers and Googleization.
0: Thank you, Ira and Jason. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: So. So let me just start out quickly with the name of the company, Swim Against the Current.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How did you, you know, is this swimming, is that a passion of yours? Where did you come up with this, especially in relation to career change? I think it, there's got to be a great story behind that.
0: It's a great question. And this is this is usually the first question I get from all, all the podcasts that I'm on. I am not a swimmer, but for all of you who are watching, I've got this this picture behind me of of fish and one is swimming against the current. I went through a rather large career transition about five years ago, and this very much ladders up to what people are experiencing when they're in the thick of this. You're kind of going with the flow, you're doing what everybody else is doing, but there's this angst deep, deep, deep inside of you. And in order to get out of the pain that you're in, it takes courage. You have to swim against the current and do something different. So it's very much a metaphor for the process that I take people through, the process that I went through. It also allows you to be a little different and to stick out and find your own path or your own stream so you can live into your full potential.
1: And I don't know how far you, you went back into, you know, you, if you looked at my bio, but, you know, I did a, a massive career change. And to me, it wasn't unusual. I mean, I was, I was burnt out and I was ready to move on. And I, I didn't have a clear path to what I was going, going to do, but I decided I was going to do consulting. But, you know, I shifted from dentistry. I mean, I was a dentist. So I went and, you know, as they say, drill, filled, and build for 18 years, and I loved everything about dentistry, but dentistry, loved running the business, loved working with the people, loved the marketing, loved everything about it, except actually doing the procedure. And so I left. And to me, it wasn't a big shock. It was like, okay, this is just another chapter in my life. I'm going to move forward. Not everybody takes that approach. Everybody else struggled with it. I mean, people, I mean, people came up to my, to my, well, ex-wife at the time, or not at the time, but now but and to my family and to my kids, my kids were, you know, late teens, early 20s at that point and would say, what's going to happen? What do you you know? How can you let him do that? What what you know, what does he know? And everything was tied to that job title. I just sort of moved on and opened up these new doors and everybody else struggled with that.
0: That's a great story, Ira. and And props to you. Going back to what you said earlier, it takes courage to to make this change and really embrace a new role that's going to align for you and your needs and oftentimes there are headwinds around you that are even going to make that difficult you know societies put you in this bucket oftentimes the profession that we had is very much how we identify as an individual but there's so much more to us and when we can find the profession that aligns all around not only with our strengths but you know our purpose what we're meant to do but also what's going to allow us to fully live our potential. Sometimes it doesn't look like that box that people want to put us in. But once we have the courage to step into that space, if you're a believer first, everyone around you then becomes a believer because success inevitably follows.
2: That's so true. You know, and that's a cool commonality. I think the three of us have is all three of us went through that. I went through it too back in 2018 of moving on from working full-time primarily with schools as a psychologist and, you know, jumping with both feet in on the technology company I helped found and going full blast with that. And it was just like Iris said, it was terrifying for me because I grew up not as much of a risk taker. And so I, I did have several family members that were like, oh, boy, here we go. You're giving up, you know, something that is is solid and consistent and you're going into the unknown. The person who had my back the most was my wife. She was like, you got this. What are you stressing about are you kidding go do it you're crazy if you don't go do this and so it's neat to see how you know different people in our lives you know react to those things but at the end of the day you got to have the confidence yourself to do it and so i guess the question i have for you amy is what are some of those characteristics that you notice in people that are kind of predictors of success if they're considering a career change are there things that are predictable that are going to lead to better outcomes for some people than others
0: mm-hmm. That's a great question, Jason. Like you mentioned before, I work with corporate leaders. It's usually director level and above. And what I like about this subset of people is is by the time you reach a director level in a corporate setting, you've had the gumption. You've had the motivation. You have the work ethic. So that that raw potential is already there. When you help people clarify where they want to go, oftentimes you get them from that really uncomfortable, scared, stuck space into, oh, yeah. That's what I want. And it's kind of like turning from the fear to the hope and the excitement and boom, they take off. And it's so fun to see when that happens.
1: What's the first thing? I mean, for, for anybody that's considering getting out and, and again, some people are thinking about it, but what will I do and how can I do this? And I got my kids and I got responsibilities and, I, and, and they, 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 they have all these, I guess, excuses or rationalizations why today's not the right time. You know, but then there's other people that are that are ready to move. So it may be two different strategies. But what's what's the first step when people are, are starting to consider that that they should take?
0: That's a great question, Ira, and um, I don't want to minimize too, all of the complications that are involved in a job change, particularly as you're talking about security and making sure my family is appropriately supported. There are a lot of scary factors. There can be a lot of scary factors to this. So, so certainly want to acknowledge that. What we find is once people kind of put the fear aside and start leaning into, all right, so let, let's you yeah, let's chat. What is it that you want to do? You get this. You get them from this place. What do I need to do for other people? To what would I like to do for me? It starts to unlock this new potential in this new space. And again, going back to like, how do we get people to live up to their full potential when people are doing work they're really passionate about that aligns with their strengths, that's when this unlocks. So so what I usually do is, is Jason had referenced the five questions that I asked. So I'm going to pose this to the audience. Uh, so this can get, start to get your wheels turning if you're in that space of, man, I want to make this move, but I'm just not sure few questions you can start asking. <clears throat> First of all, what are your top values and are they currently being honored? If you are in a space where consistently your top values are not able to be honored, that's going to be just thorn in your side. That's not going to go away. So are you in a space where your top values can be honored? Do you know what your top values are? Second question, what activities give you energy? So a lot of people will frame this as what are your strengths? Understanding what are some of the activities that you do that that really uh, make you want to continue and go the extra mile, go the extra effort, that's where success comes in. So what are the activities that enable you to do that? And how many of those activities are in your current role? What activities deplete your energy on the other side of that? Are you in a space where you're doing activities primarily that deplete your energy through the day? If so, you're on the path to burnout, number one. And number two, you're not, you're not going to be getting those high accolades that, that t- typically lead to success and higher pay and promotions. So you want to think about that if that is part of your current role. Here's the other question that gets to life purpose that usually helps people move from in the thick of it, in the weeds to a 10,000 foot view. How do I want to be remembered at the end of my life? Oftentimes, we're in such a swirl, the day-to-day, the paying the bills, the picking up the kid you know, and there's so many short-term stressors that are driving us. But if you can kind of zoom out and look at a broader picture, how do you want to be remembered at the end of your life? Is that the path you're on right now? If not, what does that path look like? And then finally, what does an ideal job look like, sound like, smell like, feel like? Oftentimes, so much of the day, we're in this cognitive space, we're in our head, we're thinking, we're comparing. There's so many other decision-making abilities that we have access to. So kind of stepping outside of that cognitive space and thinking about what are the other things that you want around you in your space. So those are the five questions that I would start with for all the people who are listening. And if you want more, you can go to my website, swim-against.com backslash free there is a form there that will help you decide if a career transition is right for you.
1: Amy, are you using before I jump your gun or or trample on, (laughs) trample on your show? Are you using any type of an assessment?
2: That's a great question.
1: Yeah. To help people identify what they, what they actually value.
0: I do. Ira, I use something that's called an energy leadership assessment. In fact, Few years ago, Forbes put out the top eleven assessments that all leaders should use. And this was this was number four on the list. But it's not one that's frequently used in the in this corporate space like like Disk or Insight. It's one that comes at a slightly different angle. It really assesses the predominant perspective that people are using as they interpret the world. That allows us then to start peeling back the onion to understand, you know, what are the conscious and unconscious beliefs that are helping you and which ones are hurting you
1: yeah and the reason i ask that is we we actually use one that's complementary to disk i mean you know again it's a it's a survey and a questionnaire and i'm just i'm just actually just wondering what you're using i will have to explore that we'll have to chat offline after after this it's called business motivators and it's based on on the work of edward spranger from years ago almost a hundred years ago probably And they look at are people motivated by learning, by their environment, or or well-being, but money, power, community, or a particular belief system. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you were sharing what the questions were, you know, what do you value? What are you passionate about? What energizes you? And but also what deflates you, what takes the energy out of what, what drains you? And there's no good or bad values. I mean, this isn't that you have good morals, good values, good ethics. This is just, you know, it's a, what you value motivates you and helping people find their purpose. So it's, it's fascinating. And, you know, we use it culturally and, you know, sometimes you hire people and you promise them. You know, I say companies promise learning opportunity and growth. And the first thing they take away where they don't allow them to do the because they're too busy is learning. So if you attract people that are passionate about learning and growth, and pursuing that, and then the first thing you do is derailers on it. You're just deflating them. I mean, it's not only not encouraging them; you're just deflating them.
0: Yes, yes, and I'm glad you mentioned the word judgment too, because that can cloud our decision-making process. What are people going to think? What about what does this say so, about me? At the at the end of the day, this this process is all about carving out space and time for these deeper thoughts to happen, so that will enable you to make that change you're looking for. And yeah. a big piece of it is just about reserving judgment, putting it to the side. Don't let that throw you off course. Let's just evaluate.
1: And again, going back to what we were talking about, we were all we were all three in that position. You know, there were people that that viewed it as quitting, and yeah. yes, that's tough. I mean, it's how do they? You know, so you're you're quitting. You know, you're. I was 44 years old, and walking away from a. probably one of the most successful businesses practices, not only in the community, but in the county. You know, I was, I was playing golf more hours a week than I was actually working. So I was like, why would you possibly do that? Why would you quit your job? Why would you quit doing that? And, you know, it gets, it can get into your head. So even if you have the courage to actually make the move, then while you, you know, once you're out of that, it was like, well, are you going to you know, when I said I wasn't, wasn't going to continue the education to keep my license because I went to one class and I needed like seven credits to keep my license like another four years. And I, and, it was, and I needed, I think it was seven hours and I went and I sat for like three and I had lunch and I left. I was like, mm-hmm. I, I can't do this. I'm not going to do that. I am not going back. And everybody said like, you know, my goodness is what happens if this doesn't work out? And, you know, sometimes, and I would to your opinion on this is when you're doing a career change. You know, they, they talk a lot about it in strategy and business models is burning your bridge, you know, or, mm. or, or burning the platform, mm-hmm. you know, do it. And you don't try to steal, you know, my analogy is you don't try to steal second base with your foot on first, <laughs> you know, sometimes you, you got to leave and take that risk. So how do you, you know, how do you possibly do that?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And as to burning bridges, timing is a big part of this because some people can get so fed up to that. They get to a point where all the things that they've been in envisioning in their head actually <laughs> manifest. You want to try to do this work before you have a major career limiting move, right? Because the next step you're going to take is likely going to also use your your network from your past job, your past life. And so it's really important to continue to build advocates along the way. With that Ira, you know, you got that question of what happens if this doesn't work out? but what happens if it does look at all the success you've been able to have because you did make that move and and what i heard you say and what i hear a lot of my clients say is i just i just can't do what i'm doing anymore i just i can't so it's not a reality that that can continue otherwise you know who knows where you'd be today you might not be here
1: yeah just two so, weeks ago we were talking about the sunday scaries you know if, mm-hmm. if, you know sunday is you dread sundays because it's only one day away from monday and, and, and that's, there's a lot of people there. So what are some of, I mean, so what are some of the steps? I mean, so if somebody says, uh, you know, uh, I'm afraid to do it, they have, or I'm ready to do it. Do, do to prepare. I mean, in the past, you'd go to a you know, counselor and say, well, get your first, get your resume in place.
0: Yep. 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 Okay. I, I love this question because that is such a common move and it's missing a really key step because if you go get your resume ready, history is going to repeat itself. You're going to land in the same job that you've had, right? (laughs) Really important first step. And the step that I, I start with all my clients on is, is this digging question of, this is where I do my energy optimization with the assessment that I give. So where are you currently on an energetic level? How do we increase your motivation and get your thought process aligned with where you want to go? And then what do we shed? that then opens you up to possibilities because we got to get in this space where we're not seeing a lot of challenges we're seeing opportunities that's when you move into the second step which is really asking yourself a lot of these questions of you know what do i want to do what am i being called to do and you start to really crystallize your vision then you get into updating your resume your targeted networking search and by the way 80 percent of all particularly senior level jobs are found through networking so dropping resumes you know at 10:30 on jobs boards is is it's old school it's not the way to go anymore there are hundreds and sometimes thousands of resumes being dropped and unless you're a direct fit, that's that's a big waste of time so then you get your networking strategy in place but until you know what your target is if you go into networking and job dropping Resume dropping, you can waste a lot of your time and other people's time. So those three steps in, in sequential order are really, really important to ensure that you end up in a job that you are happy with, that you can increase your impact, you can increase your earning potential.
2: That's so fascinating, Amy, because I literally had a friend of mine who's a very successful CFO. I saw him on Sunday and just asked him the simple question, how's work going? And we, we ended up in this amazing existential conversation of how he's like, you know what? I'm ready to be done with this phase of my professional life. You know, even though I'm very successful, ready to get this business sold. And I want to start playing the piano. Mm-hmm. And it was just cool to hear him opening up like, this is what I wanted. I want to play piano. Like, I would love to be able to go write some music, you know, go to some coffee shops and do stuff like this. And I'm sure a lot of people juxtapose that, like, you know, a successful CFO, why would you do that? You know, but he's he's put the time in and and he's fortunate enough financially to be in a place to be able to do that. But it just made me think of I've heard some some life and business coaches say before, don't die with the music inside you, like metaphorically. And in this case for him, that's also a literal thing. Like he wants to go do this. And so, you know, to, to hear that there are other executives. That go through this process of figuring out what to do and where their calling is. I think the key thing is to, to hear yourself that there aren't any dumb ideas. Like, don't be ashamed yes. of anything that gives you that energy that you're talking about, regardless of what other people might think of it.
0: That's right. Usually there's a reason that that's happening. And Jason, I'm glad you brought this up because it's something we don't talk about a lot in the public, but it's, it's a conversation that's happening a lot behind closed doors. People rise in their career, you know, and, and get to a place where they're at a senior level and they look around and they're, and oftentimes I'll have people say, it's just not what I thought it would be. I thought, you know, if I reached all the goals that I set in my twenties, once I got here, life would be great. And now I'm here. And something's not feeling right. Uh, and I'm not going to get too, too much into the psychology, but this all is explained by Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Once you meet the needs at the bottom of the tier, then you get into a self-actualization phase where your goals shift. And this is part of evolving as human beings. And this is what keeps life exciting and interesting. Don't shy away from that. That's where all the fun is.
1: What's amazing is, and just reflecting back, and again, it's almost uh, 20, well, it's 26 years ago that, that I left. You know, part of it is I always loved, as I said, I loved everything about dentistry, but dentistry. But, you know, I did a lot of clinical stuff and and I did had, a, I had great experiences and I tried to be the best I could be, but it just didn't fulfill me. That part didn't fulfill me. What fulfilled me was growing the business and learning about it. So I took a ton of management courses um, and and ten, attended a lot of management conferences. And what I learned was is I, I created A business or created a life that was somebody else's because people said, you know, you you need to plan, you know, you need to plan your well, everything was planning for retirement. So, you know, and I was only in my 20s and 30s, you know, so, but it was like everything was geared to that. But people said, well, wouldn't want to have a second home? Wouldn't want to have, you know, a boat? Wouldn't you take vacations, travel, play golf? And I found that, yeah, okay, I had kids and, you know, we could have traveled, but. I was playing literally six rounds of golf a week and, and that became sort of my life. And, and, but I didn't, what I found as soon as I left the practice, I didn't really like golf. Interesting. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed being with the people, but it became so competitive. I became so competitive. I had to improve it. How do you go out six times a week and not get better? So it became its own business in itself. But, you know, ultimately I I lived with every other, you know, dentist and professional and business person and a lot of executives. I can't wait to retire. You know, I can only play golf like once or twice a month and boy, I'm going to move to Florida and I'm going to play anytime I want. And then when they do, they realize, yeah, it's not all it's cracked up to be. Now, some people enjoy that. Some people love doing that. They love to travel. They love just stopping that wasn't how i'm hardwired and, and anybody who knows me knows that's not how I'm hardwired is that i'm always going to be doing something whether it's you know for profit or non-profit or volunteering or just for the sake of doing it i'm just always going to do that and that's you know that's how i blame it on the genetics because that's my mother's 98 and still wants to do things uh, so, uh, we are going to take a quick break this has been fascinating uh, we're talking with amy sanchez about career transitions and certainly in the heat of that with 16 million people leaving their jobs in the last four months you are listening to geek excuses and googleization we want to thank you for being part of googleization nation and we will all be right back in one minute
3: change doesn't pick favorites no matter who you are or where you live the year 2020 was filled with one unexpected challenge after another According to the authors of The Adaptation Advantage, we are incredibly well-prepared for the past, but woefully unprepared for the future. That leaves millions of people feeling scared, worried, frustrated, and confused. Whether you're the owner of a business or a worker out of a job, adaptability is now an essential skill you need to ride the next wave of normal. The good news is, is that science shows that adaptability is learnable. Adaptability gives us the confidence and courage to think about change and embrace opportunity in the right way. Adaptability gives us hope for a better future. And goodness knows we need hope. Are you ready to embrace change and double down on your future? Contact Success Performance Solutions today to schedule a consultation about how you can reimagine your team's future, how you can begin to think about opportunity the right way. Hey, welcome back,
1: everybody, to Geek, Skeezers, and Googleization. We're talking with Amy Sanchez from Swim Against the Current, talking about career transitions, and we've got uh, Jason here with us. Listening to the commercial or watching the commercial, we talked about The Adaptation Advantage, which is a great book, by the way. But in there, and I don't know if you're familiar with the book, Amy and all, but there's a chapter, and I just pulled it out. I just happened to have it in front of me because we're using it for the class. But it talks about three questions that trap us. And, and it just fit in line with what we were talking about. And the three que- the three most common questions is what's the most the first thing you do when you meet somebody at a business meeting or conference? What's the first question that gets asked?
0: Tell me about yourself.
2: That's Where do you work? What do yeah. you do?
1: What do you do? Yeah. Oh, what do you do? And it talks about how our identity is captured in our job title. And it was like, what can you possibly do? You're a dentist. I mean, how would you know how to run a business, consult other people running a business, hiring people? How would you possibly do that? And we get trapped in these job titles, but they talk about, again, it's chapter five. Anybody want to look it up? They talk about three questions that are mostly asked and how we need, well, they were talking about how we need to redefine that as far as parents, also as employers, but personally is one is, what do you do? What's your major? And what do you want to be when you grow up? And and I thought that was so interesting and fitting in this, whether you could be 65 years old and saying, hey, what's my next chapter is what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do for that next chapter? And and most people were never allowed to figure that out. And for good reason, because 50 years ago, you basically, you know, worked, you got your gold watch, you retired and then you died. (laughs) But but the death wasn't like three decades later. It, It was sometimes days, weeks or months or maybe a year or two later is you just didn't live that long think things are de- definitely changing but as we were talking through those things those three questions keep popping up in my mind about how we train people how we specialize them, we put them on tracks you know even in, even as elementary school i mean we put them on a track it's when do you want to be when you grow up and mm-hmm. the dentist part came out in fifth grade and i just was too stubborn to, to say i don't want to be a dentist anymore because everybody would say you still want to be a dentist and i go yeah are you sure so,
2: <laughs> Yeah, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a truck driver, so definitely that's not what I'm doing today, so it's interesting to see how that shapes up. And today, it's a good job. That is true. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: yeah, Now, you bring up a good point, Ira, and this can really, depending on where you're from culturally, there's a lot of heaviness to this question, too. I work with people of all different ethnic backgrounds. I particularly find people who have grown up in a very traditional Indian or Asian background. There's a lot of pressure to be a business person, a doctor, or a lawyer. Wow. And if you're not one of those three professions, you're not successful. And so talking
1: about growing up in a Jewish family.
0: Yes, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it comes from a good place, right?
3: These oh, traditionally
0: are professions where you're going to have financial security and, and every parent wants that for their kid, but we don't all fit in these three categories.
1: <laughs> well, and that goes into, and again, I know this isn't at the lead. Well, it could be at the leadership, but for, for other roles is that we're still on track that you need a good college education. You need an education where some of the most in the band, most law, you know, future jobs are trade jobs. I mean, you know, you welders are making, you know, $200,000 a year. You know, to start, I mean, a starting salary is eighty-five to hundred thousand dollars a year to be a welder, to be a plumber, and it's farmers are making stigma. much more
0: these days. Yeah. yeah, it still
1: has this stigma of you know, it's it's not a real job or it's not a career, and and even truck drivers. I mean, somebody was on the call the other day, and he says, "I just I just lost a candidate because somebody offered him fourteen thousand dollars a month plus benefits to drive a truck." Wow. So high in demand. So what, so Amy, so I'm thinking of another career change, you know, here I am, not really, but (laughs) I'll have a lot of next chapters, but enjoy what I do. But if, if I'm sitting there struggling right now and this conversation resonated, what, what's, you know, and you talked about the first step. I mean, so they, they reach out to you, you know, kind of walk, walk people through that. What, what can they do today to even get ready to, to call you?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, So first of all, I will say if you're in this space, you've probably been there for quite some time. So just know that you're not alone (laughs) and this is a process and you are exactly where you need to be. Sometimes working with a career coach is appropriate for people and sometimes it's not. What I tell people is if, if life is really full for you and you want an accelerated path to get yourself to a career that increases happiness, impact and earning potential, and you're open to exploration and ready to take steps forward, a career coach is a, could be a really good fit for you. It's always good to reach out and talk talk to people. There's gotta be chemistry. And so I, I have everybody apply for a discovery session to make sure you're a good fit. And then we get on the phone and, and we chat and it's a complimentary conversation and, and we determine if, if this is the right level of support for you, if you and I are gonna work well together. So if people are looking for that and they wanna explore, they can find my website, swim-against.com and the discovery session application is in there. And Ira, the other thing I'll say is, you know, career coaching isn't for everybody. It is, it is ready for people who are ready to embrace change. So if you're in this space where you're still trying to ask some of those big questions, that's okay. That's an important part of the process. Just give yourself the space and time to answer these questions and let the percolation happen because the percolation is really important to get you to your destination.
2: And Amy, I know you're you're very involved and active on LinkedIn. And, and I see many times there are webinars or, or seminars that you're doing that actually are done live through LinkedIn. Can you share a little bit more with our audience about those and how they can get connected to you through those?
0: I can. Yeah. So that's something I started to do in September and just something I really enjoy. So every most Thursdays at about 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. I will do a LinkedIn live about a topic that's pertinent around executive transitions and giving support and resources to help you if, if you're in this space and you're ready to continue to explore. So you can find me on LinkedIn, too. And please join me to, to help you on this journey.
1: It's amazing. So it was a thought going through my head and I just I just lost it. So I apologize. But where do you see? Obviously, this is going to continue. We're going to continue to see movement, mobility, transitions, wherever they are. Do you have any, is there, without divulging confidentiality, is is there one kind of transition or kind of a story you can share of somebody who made this transition and what that looked like? And we have just about four or five minutes here, so.
0: Absolutely. I've got tons and tons of those. (laughs) Let's see. The one that's popping up in my mind right away is I was working with a VP at a large biotech company. He'd been in his role for about 20 years. And over time, he was working on drug discovery. He was leading the the research and development team, the R&D team. And so he was still doing the work he was passionate about, but his leadership had changed. And so he didn't have the support he used to have. The impact and the amount of funding that he got from the company had decreased pretty significantly. So he wasn't able to do the same amount of work that he was before make the same amount of impact. But he felt a lot of guilt about leaving because this was who he was. This is what he did. This is the box he was in, right? So that whole external perception. But then also there was this pull of, hey, I don't want to let my team down and leave them hanging. So we worked through all of that through coaching, and it didn't take long for him to realize, hey, it could be really good for everybody if I opened up this position and this opportunity for others and went to do something that really is appealing to me. And that's something I'm passionate about. I find that when people make that mental shift and are able to get to that space where they're open to the transition, and then they start to define what they want, things start happening quickly. So he started to network. He realized he wanted to stay in the disease state space that he was in, but he wanted to be in a larger impact role. He reached out to a few previous coworkers. One of the guys he used to work with was the CEO of a large company who just happened to be looking for a VP of R&D. Boom. He was hired. Not only was he hired, he got a promotion and they came in a, a little low on their initial offer, so we had an emergency session to prep him for negotiation. Out of that negotiation, he ended up getting a $100,000 signing bonus and a much more favorable stock allocation. So, wow. He had a very happy transition story. He's been doing it now for a couple of years and I work with him now on on team workshops for uh, to support his team. But very common success story. Once you kind of work through that internal dialogue, that's not supportive and get yourself to a place where you're seeing opportunity, things happen pretty quickly. And that's a good example of what the potential is.
1: Yeah. It sounds like the moral of that story is, is that when, you know, sometimes opportunities are are just sitting out there and you just have to look in that direction. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Well said. Yeah. Anything else that we should be asking that we didn't, Amy?
0: You know, one other question that I like like to share with people is oftentimes we're asking, what else can I do? Something I encourage everybody, especially in this time and space we're in with the holiday season and the pandemic and the unprecedented stress levels and transition is it's also good to ask, what can I stop doing? What can I take off my plate? When you're so busy and so bogged down, it's really hard to create space. So that's, that's a really key question I encourage everybody to ask just so that they can you know, enjoy the holidays a little bit more and, and open up that space for the opportunity to come in.
1: Thank you. This has been fascinating. And again, because what is it so relevant just for, for everyone out there, but before each of us, because we've each, in, you talk about empathy, we've each walked in people's shoes before of making a major transition and, and very helpful. And I certainly didn't know there was a, anything, well, at, a long time ago, but didn't know even who to go to to talk about it because most everybody I talked to was discouraging me from making that move. Well, maybe do it part time or maybe slow it down or maybe look at this, maybe just stick it out for another couple of years. And you know, I was well, I was mentally, emotionally well beyond that point. And so I did it on my own. But fortunately, there's people like you that can help people in that transition. So thank you for what you do.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's such a pleasure. I love, love, love doing the work that I do. And, and for everyone who is in that space that you were in, Ira. You're a great example of what can happen if you lean into that. And I, I love helping people get there. It's fun to see that progress, that journey.
1: You know, it's interesting when I when I left, and it just you just said something that prompted this. When I left, the low hanging fruit was to consult to dentists. Because that was, you know, certainly. Ah, How funny you say that. (laughs) Yeah, that 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 wasn't my goal, and everybody says we'd love. Again, I was only forty-four years old, and everybody said we'd love to do what you do. Can you teach us how to do it? So I created a little mastermind group, and we met. And you know, my question was: Is what are you going to do? Like, if I, if you can be out of here in five years, what are you going to do? And nobody can answer that question. I mean, it was like, well, this is all I know, and and I really don't dislike it. I just don't like managing it. I don't like the people. I don't, you know, it was a whole lot of excuses. But the problem is, they had there was there wasn't a vision, and again, helping to walk that through. And it, it turned out that most of them actually liked it. It was just that they had to to change that better. So sometimes the career change is just change the environment, change, you know, change your boss, which is a lot obviously 16 million people are talking about changing their bosses. And and so it's not necessarily not everybody needs a career change. Sometimes you just need a change of environment.
0: Yes, a hundred percent Ira. Yeah. It, it all starts with kind of peeling the way the onion and you know, creating a change that is really inspiring can be something really small that moves mountains. And and so that that's a good point. You know, some some of the people that I work with turns out after we go through this work that they really do like the thing that they're doing. They just haven't been looking at it that way for quite some time. Yeah,
1: for sure. Thank you very much. Wishing you a happy holiday. It was great to meet today. Wishing you a good new year. Love to have you back because this is going to be an ongoing story. Again, Roxy, if you can scroll, there it is. She's thinking ahead of me. How (laughs) how you can get in touch with Amy and also connect with Amy Sanchez on LinkedIn. Thank, thank you so you. much,
0: Ira and Jason. This has been a real pleasure. And I'd be more than happy to come back. You guys uh, you guys are doing some great work. And it's interesting because our work is really complementary. So more than happy to keep the conversation going. And I,
1: I'm going to check out your assessment and we'll, we'll talk because there may be some opportunities there as well. That'd be great. Appreciate it. Take care. Happy, happy holidays. holidays. Take care. You too, Amy. Thanks.
0: Thanks. Bye.
1: How appropriate was that? And we, we've got, just give everybody a heads up what's coming up next couple weeks. Next week, we've got Jackie Green from ITR Economics. She's actually a new guest, but we've spoken with Alan Ballou. Many of you may be familiar with Alan. His company is ITR Economics, and he's one of the founders of it. He wasn't available. just The calendar's just in a mesh. But we've had him on usually twice a year, but especially end of year, getting a forecast. And the amazing thing about ITR Economics, since 1987, they are 95-plus percent accurate in their forecasting. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's astounding. I mean, you know, forecasting the economy and ups and downs. And they've been right on. Last year, we had him on. We had him on twice last year, but we had him on the end of the year. And when he forecasts, and that was still in the, you know, where what was the post-pandemic going to look like? We're not even yeah. in post-pandemic. So that was incredibly strong. But anyway, Jackie is going to be joining us next week to talk about what 2022, 23 is gonna look like, where we're headed, some of the trends. The following week, we've got Evan Sohn. He is the CEO and founder of Recruiter.com and some amazing work that he's doing. And then our final show of the year, gonna be Dave Ulrich, you know, Mr. HR, father of HR, modern HR. And so we're gonna have, uh, and that's just in the next couple of weeks, so. The stellar lineup. Yeah, absolutely. Jason, thanks again for being here. Thanks for all you're doing. For everyone else, again, thank you, Googleization Nation, for being part of this community. Thank you for watching geeks or listening to Geeks, Geezers and Googleization. If you're listening to it, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Google, you name it, we really appreciate you. If you're watching live, we appreciate you being here every week. And until next week, don't let the shift hit your plans.